morning brothers and sisters today i'm going to share with you the third topic in this mission month our mission gifts mission is god's heart and god's desire that all nations be blessed in christ mission is also a team effort consisting of god the center of mission and there will be there will have some of us serving at the back end as the sender and some of us will serve at the front end as the sendee so all of us work together as a team last week i talked about pray our mission which is the first act of mission before god sent his people we need to pray before god that god sent that god will as according to what we pray answer our prayer and send people prayer is a spiritual discipline demanding faith diligence and perseverance and this week i'm going to share with you gift gift giving is an accompanying action always coupled with praying when we pray and then normally we would then couple it with gift very very normal by saying giving we are not just talking about money we are talking about serving with what we have such as our resources our talents and what god has given us and this should not be limited to our money and it also include our talent our skills our gifts and even our network that resources i have to assert that it's no less an active spiritual discipline than prayer we need to have a discipline in giving the scripture we will be using this week is on second corinthian 8:1 to 15 Let me read it out. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the lord and then by the will of god to us accordingly we urge titus that as he has started so he should complete among you this act of grace but as you excel in everything in faith in speech in knowledge in all earnestness and in our love for you see that you excel in this act of grace also verse 8 i'm not commanding you but i want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich and yet for this for your sake he became poor 
so that you through his poverty might become rich. And there is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what, you need, what they need, so that in turn, the plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. It's, it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have little. Now, the, basically, if you read through the whole passage, the key points of this message is about how to love, serve, and follow Jesus with what we have. Now, the whole point is not just about, you know, giving out. The whole point is about how we are going to love and serve and follow Christ. Now, that's the most important key. Now, the context of this passage is actually from Acts 11. In Acts 11, they talk about a prophet from Jerusalem named Agabus and prophesied that there would be a great famine in the world, which is exactly what happened in the region of Judea during the reign of the Emperor Claudius from AD 41 to 54. And toward the end of that time period, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter, which is 1 Corinthians, to the church he planted in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, 2, Paul makes explicit instructions, telling Corinthians that now concerning the collection for the saints, so I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On, on, the, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Now, that's the collection Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians in this passage. Now, it's the giving to people elsewhere other than our own church and for his kingdom purposes. Now, in some way, it's similar to mission. We're giving out, not just for our own church, not just for our own people, but we are giving out to other places, to other people, for his kingdom purpose. It's for the establishment of God's kingdom in somewhere else among other people. And I truly believe that the words that the law inspired Paul to write in this passage continue to serve us today by establishing clear principles on how we should give or use with the resources God has entrusted to us to serve and to worship him in general and in mission more particular, if you allow me to do so. Now, here are the same principles. Now, the first principle, principle one, from verse one of this passage, is God is the ultimate giver, 
Now we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Now here, <clears throat> we have to know that Paul isn't playing a comparison game, trying to exert pressure to the Corinthians, but to state out the fact. It is God who gave first. Now note that this reminder is not just to individuals, but also to the whole church. Now God is the one who gave us first. God is the God who gives. And we are only able to give because he first gave to us. And only by understanding this key point will we not compare, we will not boast when we give. Because everything is from God. Now all that we have and all that we have come from him, no exception, we are debtors to God. In many ways, for the gift of life, for the gift of Christ, and all the blessings of the Gospels, for the ability to respond to all God has given us by using all of what we have to love Him and love our neighbor. It all comes from Him. So if giving is an area you struggle to obey, my dear brothers, take heart. He is able to give you the grace you need to worship Him with what you have because he is the ultimate giver. Just come to him for help. As long as you have the heart, he will show and help you how to give. Let me share a bit of my personal testimony. Now at my student time, which was many, many years ago, 45 years ago in, in college. At that time, I even did not have the money to buy my textbook. I can only went to the library to help my study, even during exam time, because I did not have the money to buy my textbook. At that time, I was only a first believer, kind of very green, and uh, I don't have money. How can I give? Well, as I pray to God, He showed me that I can still give, because I could fast for a meal or two, and use that meal cost to give. And at the same time, take the fasting time to pray for mission. And that's how I started my giving the mission. And since then, let me tell you, I have never stopped giving the mission for over 40, 43, 45 years. If I can, so can you, my dear brothers and sisters. And it is what a good training and preparation for my later days to give more for his kingdom causes. In fact, it is me and my wife's decision that even though they might have shortage of support, now I'm now taking a missionary status, I need to raise my own support. Although we might experience shortage of support, we would rather cut our living costs in order that we can keep and maintain our support to mission, our support to church, and our support to the needs of those who, to, to, to others who, those who have the needs. And in time of economic stress, uh, let me ask you a simple question. What will be your first spending that you would cut in terms, in times of economic stress? Are those luxury items, right? Are you going to treat supporting mission and gospel work 
something like luxury things, luxurious things that you would cut your support. Now let us reflect once again. What is seek ye first the kingdom of God? It is not just a song, but a life practice. The second principle. Generosity cannot be the fruit of wealth, but the fruit of surpassing joy. In this verse, verse 2, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, this verse 2 is really stunning and paradoxical. Let me, let me state it out. Now, here it talks about in a severe test of affliction. At the same time, it contrasts with abundance of joy. The second part of the phrase, of the sentence, and the extreme poverty, at the same time, overflow in a wealth of generosity. Now, what a big contrast. Severe test of affliction versus abundance of joy. Extreme poverty versus overflow in a wealth of generosity. Maybe let me ask a simple question. In your life, what do severe tests of affliction tend to produce? Think about it. Well, normally we will say depression, isolation, grumbling, complaining, self-pity. I think those are the usual suspects, right? Now, maybe let us ask the Macedonian churches. Do they have severe afflictions? Yes, this is what is stated here. Are they in extreme poverty? True, this is what is written down here. And yes, Macedonian also has something else. What are they? That very thing is abundance of joy. It just completely blow our minds. Where in the world did that abundant joy come from? Very interesting. Where in the world did that abundant joy come from? Now, let me explain. Generosity is actually the fruit of surpassing joy, not because of wealth. The Macedonians had next to no material possessions. But they had Jesus. But they knew Jesus. They had tasted and seen the Lord. It's good that they have good relation with Jesus. Having him, loving him, even if they lose everything else, to them, it's still gain to them. Psalm 16, 11. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 73, 25, 26. Home have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now the key is, it's all about Jesus. It's all about knowing him and have a close tie with him. Though, having a close tie with Jesus 
doesn't take away the pain of poverty. Or even we may still in severe affliction and it hurts. And yet, because of Jesus, because of having a close relationship with Jesus, it can produce real joy in the midst of suffering. And here, a wealth of generosity. Now, we have to make sure that everybody knows that there is a true fact that, and be certain that is such a fact. The gospel-driven generosity is something that doesn't make sense to this world. Those people on this world, if they don't believe in Jesus, they don't have Jesus, they cannot comprehend such generosity. The more you know about Jesus, the more you would be willing to put aside earthly matters and be compelled to follow Jesus. Let us be reminded, this is our nature. Our nature is what? We were not created to love money. We were made to love God. And only God can satisfy our soul. Only God can satisfy our inner heart. Discovering surpassing joy in Jesus will set us free from two respects. Number one, it frees us from worshipping money. Number two, it frees us to worship the Lord with what we have, with our money. Now let's think. When we come to things we love the most, what will you, what will you do? We would just dedicate ourselves and dedicate everything of, of us on it, right? And we would love to spend money on and give money to the things that bring us joy. And no sacrifice is too great to bless, to nurture and protect it. And the same principle holds true in our relationship with the Lord. When Jesus is your surpassing joy, it's not hard to overflow in the wealth of generosity towards him and towards Jesus died for to save. It is a delight and privilege, and there's nothing we would rather do. Biblical generosity isn't the fruit of wealth. It's the fruit of surpassing joy in Jesus, a joy that delivers us clutching our money and free us to love him and his people and all he has entrusted to us. Again, let me share with you a testimony. If you all know about 10 years ago at, at 208, there, is, there was an Asian economic crisis. Stock market plunge and the whole Asia experienced the crisis. And in fact, Korea got the greatest hit. Korea dollar, Korea dollar currency, which is one, actually dropped by 30%. Now, which is quite a big thing. And in a church, and that church has sent and supported more than 150 missionaries. Now, when we are talking about missionaries, in fact, we are then include the families. So they support and sent over 150 missionaries in that Korean church. Now they are facing such a crisis. The church board decided that they have to recall all these overseas missionaries. They have to withdraw them. 
Now, if you were the board member, would you suggest the same? Well, the pastoral teams of the church will also consist over a hundred people. They make a you they make a, a decision that they want to make a counter proposal. What is that counter proposal? They said no withdrawal of our missionaries. Instead, the church can cut our salary 30%. We just keep the overseas missionary and ask them to share the resources and keep the missionary work going. Wow, that really blew our mind. Now, once again, be reminded, gospel-driven generosity will always blow your mind. What will be the results? Let me tell you. Finally, the church adopted this counter-proposal and miraculously, the whole church did not experience any drop in its offering. That means the pastoral teams need not have 30% salary cut. Giving isn't the fruit of wealth, nor the fruit of financial excess. It's the fruit of abundant joy in Christ. Now the third principle. The giving that pleases God is proportional and voluntary. Now which is in verse 3 and 4 here. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond the means of their own accord, backing us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Now, there's an illustration here. If you still remember in Luke 21, it talked about a poor widow. That poor widow had abundant joy by putting in two copper coins only, just two copper coins. And it melted Jesus' heart. Why? Because from a proportional standpoint, she gave more than all the rich people. Jesus said, she gave all she had. So, don't be discouraged by your inability to give much relative to other people around you. Give according to your means, and as the Lord put it in your heart, give beyond your means, not foolishly, not blindly, but proportionally. And there is no need to envy or compare with others of what God has given them. Our master, in his perfect wisdom, decides what to entrust to each of us. Our job is to be faithful with what he has given us. And that's the main point. Our job is to be faithful with what he has given us. Now the giving that pleases God is voluntary giving of all accord. Now I have to draw on another uh, Bible verse, which is 2 Corinthians 9 7. It said, Each one must give as he has desired in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In this verse, 2 Corinthians 8 4, the Macedonians are begging, Backing us earnestly for the favor of taking part in this giving. Now, very interesting. What 
packing for the privilege of giving. Can you see the privilege of such? Wow. Packing for the privilege of giving. Now, because giving for kingdom reasons to meet the spiritual and physical needs of the men and women is a tremendous privilege. Now, think about it. Assume you are a school teacher and you give to support the church mission fund, which in turn support relief work in Pakistan, the Muslim work in Mindanao, the Bible translation project in Papua New Guinea, and a seminary professor in Southern Philippines, and a pastor in Cameroon in Africa, and the list go on. And while you personally can only work 10, 12, 14, or maybe at most 16 hours a day, but those that you are supporting are serving in the Lord every one of the 24 hours. When you get up in the morning, those that you are supporting in other parts of the world, you have supported, maybe they have already started their day and serving the law already for a few hours. In a way, you are full-time 24 hours in the gospel service. What a good investment indeed, right? What a good kingdom investment. Can you see the privilege of such? Just think of the joy one day in heaven. Some Arab or African come forward to greet you and shake your hands and thank you for your support in the gospel work there that helped them know Christ and his salvation. Can you imagine the great joy? Once again, let's be reminded, mission is a teamwork in a spiritual war for soul, involving the front-end sendees and the back-end sender for the furtherance of the gospel. The fruits are shared among all those involved. So any fruit gained in the front end, if you are involved at the back end, you share the fruits. The giving that pleases God is giving of our own accord. And there are things much more than money. Now, please don't think money is everything. Apart from money, you still have a lot. What are they? Just think about the talents, the knowledge, the skill and expertise you have, and also your social network and your networking gift. All these are assets that you can give and share. Just think, and you can tell a lot of them. In Frontiers, which is the organization I'm now serving, we have people helping us in training our missionaries on how to use cosmetics. Because in the Muslim world, all those Muslim women, majority of them do makeup. And uh, they train our workers on some branded cosmetics to get, so that they can help the people. In fact, they are, some of us are opening beauty parlor in Islamic countries. And some of us also run business on computer. So we have people helping us on computers, business, and providing various support, such as accounting, 
and legal support and give us various leads and contacts to facilitate our missionaries to work in the Islamic countries. Now, Frontiers is an organization focusing on the Muslims. So in various parts of the world, those Islamic countries. Now, the fourth principle. Now, giving is a spiritual discipline. Verse 6 and 7. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now, I highlight excel here. Excel means what? Excel means doing it great, doing it very well. Excel means doing it in a way that it set a good example for others to follow. What about act of grace? Now, by, say, by saying act of grace, it doesn't mean we are passive. Very often, it is easy to say that if God wants me to break in and tell me in an audible voice to give money to someone, I'm on. Stand by. Very often, we just quiet our conscience by saying, I'm willing to give as the law leads me to. But then we rarely, if ever, pray for more opportunities to give or actively seek them out. What an excuse. We are so easy to forget that giving is a grace from God and that we have turned it into something like taxing our wallet by the church. No, no, no. It is an act of grace that demands our careful planning, hard work, and initiatives. Now, once again, let's be reminded, investing financially in the work of God to meet the spiritual and physical needs of people is no less an active spiritual discipline than prayer. Bible reading, evangelism or sexual purity. Now we always have you know, a series of so-called spiritual discipline to practice and read books and then books on. We read books, run workshops, and attend conferences on those, on those disciplines. We talk with one another about how we are doing in those disciplines and even challenge one another to keep growing and excel in our practice of them, right? Then, why not do the same for giving? Giving should also be treated as a spiritual discipline. Now, some reflective questions on giving as a discipline. When was the last time you prayed that God would help you excel in the grace of giving? When was the last time you prayed that God would help you excel in the grace of giving? When was the last time you read a book on the grace of giving? When was the last time you talked with another Christian about you are doing loving God with all your money? Now, in our modern culture, we have a problem. The problem is, Money has become very, very private. 
it becomes such a private matter that people don't ask others how much they make or because it has become so personal now in a sense it is good that it is the fruit of modesty and it's the respect of privacy but it might be bad to make uh, to make one thing that what god has given become one's proprietary things it's always mine 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 it's my thing it's my thing and we have forgotten that we are just entrusted by god with it and we are just the steward in a way we have functionally demoted giving to something don't ask don't tell yet the bible says in hebrew 10 24 and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works we have to stir up one another to good works to love humility doesn't hide ourselves doesn't hide stories of how the lord is at work in our life or opportunity he gave us to be generous humility celebrate where the lord is helping us to excel giving isn't a box we check brother and sisters it's a discipline we strive to excel in together it is a together thing let me share with you a testimony a sister in christ about her daughter's admission to university study in states in your in united states in america now take a look of her profession her profession is a medical doctor in fact she is the president of a hospital she is the one in charge of the big hospital what about her husband her husband's profession is the director of engineering of a big company in charging of over 200 engineers and among the 200 engineers over 200 engineers over 20 of those own higher degree like master degrees and doctorates now questions do they earn a lot of money yes do they pay a lot of tax yes now the questions if you were her what would you do well your daughter is admitted to a state you already and later the daughter was admitted to another private universities which has a subject that she loved very much but if you know america private university and public university have a big difference in school fee in fact the private university school fee is many times many folks of the public university now if you were her if you were the mother what would you do which university you would advise your daughter to go why well let me tell you her answer she talked to her daughter telling her that my daughter my dear daughter sorry that all our family finance is budgeted in the beginning of every year we have set aside this amount of money for tax we have set aside this amount of money for church we have set aside this amount of money for christian organizations we have set aside this amount of money for missionaries 
we have set aside of this money for uh, for mission projects such and such. We only expect we have set aside the amount of money for you to enter a state university, a public university. And if you are really wanting to go into that private university, we need to pray before God and let God help us. This is her answer. Well, the daughter has no way but to pray before God. Now it comes to a time which is the last day of registration for the private university. Shall she proceed to register? Where is the money? Well, at the very last day, she received a letter from that university telling her that the university is going to grant her scholarship. The amount of scholarship just make up the difference between the public U and the private U. Wow, what a good opportunity to learn faith in God. To this sister, she make it very clear that living by faith is not a thing just for the missionary. It should also be practiced by all followers of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. You ask the pastor to live by faith. You also need to work and live by faith. This should be practiced by all followers of Jesus Christ. Remember, both the sender and the sendee are in the same team. We should practice the same principle, what God has given us. Conclusion. Now, grasping the purpose of giving, start with discovering what it means to worship God with what we have. It's all about how you worship God with what you have. Now, to summarize what we have just shared, well, there are a lot of lessons we can learn from this passage, but because of time limitations, we have just limited to a few. Number one, God is the ultimate giver. Unless we give, unless he gives to us, we have neither the substance nor the will to give to others. He has generously lavished grace on us in Christ Jesus, giving us all the spiritual and material resources we need to practice generosity in return. A wealth of generosity is only possible if Jesus, our Lord, it's because of Jesus and not money is our surpassing joy. Unless you love him first and best, you'll never be able to honor God with your money, with what you have, because you've been too busy using it to worship something else. But if Jesus is your joy and delight, then whether you are swimming in riches, suffering in extreme poverty or somewhere in between, you will overflow in a well of generosity. It's not about how much you give compared to other people. It's about what? It's about how much you give compared to, the, to all the law has entrusted to you. Now the giving that pleases the Lord is proportional and voluntary. He wants all of you, your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole wallet. He's not satisfied 
with a 10% handout. He is our king, our Lord. All that we are and all that we have is his. Giving is a spiritual discipline we have to practice with mutual encouragement. We should encourage each other in giving. And we should model with each other by good examples. Now the final remarks is about life, about my life. Is my life characterized by a wealth of financial generosity towards mission and others, even if I'm relatively Is there any other idols taking over Jesus' throne of your heart and stealing the resources that would otherwise be devoted to worshiping him? At this moment, shall we take an honest assessment of our heart, aided by the provoking example of the Macedonian? Let's have a quiet time before the Lord.